Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got uh, my friend Dave Jewett on here with me who's founded Year One Degree and, and done a lot of, of great things and really impacted a lot of people. Um, and we're really excited to have you on the podcast. So thanks for, for being here, Dave. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. Great to be here. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and growing up. What was that like? And um, uh, just start from the beginning, I guess. Okay. Well, I think like all of us, we're, we're affected by our previous generations. And uh, so even going back a couple of generations, even as far back as Norway, and that's where my mother came from. But just the, right. the, the, the upbringing... Uh, the faith upbringing that they had, and that, that, that's been passed on to me. And so I'm the youngest of three kids. Uh, my sister's 10 years older. Uh, my brother's six years older. And uh, so I grew up in a, in a uh, chaplain's home, pastor's home, and where they really lived a life. And uh, they modeled it and modeled uh, a lot of love and uh, kindness and goodness. And, and uh, moved around a lot. And, and Dad was also away as a chaplain in the Army during World War II and the, in the Korean War. So mm-hmm. uh, we learned about that. But <clears throat> um, when I was two and a half, I fell out of a moving car uh, driving with my dad and rolled across the oncoming lane. And uh, that ended up le- leading to, uh, <laughs> to me having a, a couple operations and being in the hospital for seven weeks as a two and a half year old and then uh, walking on crutches for three years. So yeah, that was one of those shaping experiences that mm-hmm. that uh, I guess I got a sense of that that there was uh, I was there was a reason I was here because I could have easily uh, uh, been uh, uh, taken home on, on that on that experience. So, uh, but then moving around a lot, <clears throat> you know, you learn how to how to adapt. You know, we have had a lot of fun memories growing up in a Christian home and. Uh, a lot of laughter, but a lot, a lot of love, and uh, <clears throat> but we moved seventeen times. At least I moved seventeen times growing up, um, and I think learning how to adapt, learning how to uh, get to know all kinds of different people, and realize that uh, not everybody's like me, and I'm not like a lot of people, and, and so there's I can appreciate all different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a real a real shaping experience was I guess when I was uh, seven, I that was my first real faith experience where I realized that Jesus died for me personally. And uh, and then as I got into my teen years, just typical teenage years, kind of up and down spiritually, and I got involved with Young Life when we lived in Germany. That was a real helpful thing. And then. Um, but one of the real big blessings in my life has been having a, a mentor. Uh, my my sister married a guy that really became my hero and and uh, and mentor for years, several decades, and he invested in me, taught me what he was learning, and he really modeled the leadership and um, uh, 
modeled uh, really how to give your life away. Mm. And um, you know, I got off to college, University of Richmond, and uh, kind of a typical, typical experience there. You know, you uh, trying to figure stuff out, and uh, and after kind of a hard uh, first semester of my junior year, really struggling in my faith. And I, uh, I went to a conference where I really learned that I just needed to become a real a man of the scriptures, not just a good guy. I went to church every now and then, but really to kind of dig into the scriptures more and make it more part of my life. Mm-hmm. That really started to set me on a whole different trajectory. You know, not that I'm a scholar or anything like that, but I just, it's become much more of a part of my life. And uh, I think... Uh, Early into my second semester of my junior year, uh, a buddy of mine, I got a chance to lead him and uh, to lead him to make a decision for Christ. And that really uh, was really the first time when I sensed, you know, really God wanted to use my life Mm -hmm. in a a special way and just more of a one on one on one basis. I knew I wasn't going to be a public speaker so much like my dad was. But so I was curious about how do I help this guy grow in his faith? And so I started getting involved with some, some uh, uh, conferences and some ministries just to learn, how do, well, what do you do with a guy that just has become a believer? And that, that was really a real shaping thing. And so really over the next, after I got out of college, probably spent the next, I guess, seven years uh, learning how to do more of that, how to help people in their faith. Moved out here in 1978, I guess it was, and I was 28 years old, and because I, I wanted to shift from doing stuff on a campus, in a campus situation, to more of a community, mm-hmm. in the workplace and and a church in the community, so just started applying what I've been learning in my faith and learning how to help guys in in their faith. Just started to do that with with um, men in, the, in, in Tulsa. And um, really along the way, you know, um, growing in that, you know, a lot of things work and some things don't. You know, you try to invest in people and some people don't respond. And so it's an ongoing faith experience mm-hmm. as you're doing that, you know. And uh, plus you're just trying to grow yourself. Yeah. You know, and don't I don't have a lock on that. Yeah, you know, still working on that. But um, uh, I think along the way, I was learning more and more about leadership. I was working in corporate life and uh, moving more up in responsibility and uh, learning how to influence people and help people and, and direct people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along the way, <clears throat> that that influence was expanding. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I just started to notice that <clears throat> I was being used more and more as a mentor with other leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then as I got into my forties, uh, oh, by the way, I'd gotten married when I was thirty-four. So and married to this wonderful gal. Uh, most people tell me I'm married way over my head, yeah. <laughs> and which is true. And. Um, <clears throat> But we, we, we end up having uh, two kids, two sons. and um, But I just started to see uh, a real shift in my, my life toward more mentoring. 
And, uh, but as I got into my 40s, I started to ask uh, questions about seasons of life. Well, you know, what, what, what's it really about being in your 40s? Mm-hmm. You know, I could sense that the 30s were different from the 40s. And I started to figure out that it was probably getting, the 50s were going to be different than the 40s and the 30s and so forth. So uh, <clears throat> I, I started to have more of a long-term view of my life. Uh, you know, Cubby talks about uh, begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I started to hone in on what, is, what do I want to be uh, when I'm 80? If I live lived that, live that long, what do I want to be true about my life uh, when I'm, when I'm at, at that point? So um, <clears throat> in my 40s, I also got exposed to a book, uh, Halftime. I noticed you have it here. Yeah, I think it's uh, Bob Buford. Right yeah, there. Bob wrote a book, and we became we became friends. And uh, it's really about the time in a person's life, a guy's life, usually around the, the midlife time, where he where he, he reflects on the first part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what went well, what what can be better, and, and what adjustments can be made for the second half. It's like a football game, mm-hmm. or a, or a basketball game for that matter. Um, and so I really got enthralled by that. You know, of that time of, of evaluating my life and being a little more reflective on it. And I saw that that was extremely helpful. I started doing that with other men. And, uh, and, and, and very, they became very close friends of mine over the years. So um, continued to work in corporate life. And, and then I ended up, uh, took, took an early retirement package from American Airlines. And then uh, Got into some consulting, and then eventually, I just started to uh, develop kind of a message that was on my heart, which is it ended up becoming your one degree. Um, well, as I started to hone in on, on on helping men that particular way, I started to see God. God really used it more than any other thing I'd ever done. Hmm. And uh, and men were coming to me in the in the community saying, you know, you really need to be doing this full time. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's essentially what what uh, encouraged me to go make that change from uh, being a consultant and being in corporate life to doing this uh, on a full time basis. And that's kind of how I got into it, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I guess the rest of the story is God really blessed it. And uh, we're, we've been doing this now for 17 years, and uh, it's kind of taken us places we never thought we'd go, and and uh, opened up doors, and given us some wonderful, wonderful friendships with uh, all kinds of high quality people. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I hope that. Yeah, well, no, that's that's great. Wasn't that's, more than you wanted, but uh... <laughs> no, that's a that's a lot smashed into a little. Um, really quickly going back to. As you were growing up and you're making decisions, like when you decided to, you'd move around a lot, um, being in, in a military family, and you had made a lot of relationships with, I'm sure, a lot of people. But how did you determine to go to the University of Richmond? And how did, when you were growing up, how did you go about processing those decisions? Did you have any of the stuff that you help men with, men and women with today through your one degree as things that you were you doing at that time? Or what was that like? Uh, I didn't have any of that, but I think... I guess, you know, when, when I was in high school, I started to realize that uh, I really liked business. Yeah. I liked kind of the, I liked some of the 
the disciplines of business. I'm not, I didn't like accounting for sure, but yeah. I, I, I like you know, marketing and, and the strategy of business and, and really just the challenge of it. So I was, we were living, we had moved my senior year of high school to Newport News, Virginia. And so it was just down the road from Richmond, University of Richmond. So, uh, and Richmond had a very good business school. So uh, I would apply to a couple of different schools, but I just really felt the draw to Richmond. Yeah. And um, so glad I went there. It was just a great preparation for a business. I ended up uh, having, uh, my major was uh, industrial management with a minor in economics. So it was, it was just good. It was just good preparation for the business world. And uh, I still enjoy being around businessmen and talking about their business challenges and kind of remembering some of the things that I experienced in my corporate years. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't anything real fancy. Yeah. It was just, I knew I had, I had, an, uh, I had a math uh, orientation and I liked business. So uh, there we go. Felt like a good fit, yeah. 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 So how, uh, how influential were your parents growing up in your life? And what, what do they mean to you? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, they just, they were loving to each other. They were loving to us. They, they were very mission-oriented. They lived for something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And we knew, we, we knew they loved us, but they loved the Lord the most. And, um, and they sacrificed a lot. To help others, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so um, just a lot of consistency in my life. And they were great to me. They, I'm sure they they programmed a lot of good things into my life. You know, I, I'm probably not living it as well as they did in some ways. You know, um, but boy, I, I don't I wouldn't be where I am today without their uh, their investment. And of course. As a parent, you know, you know the kind of things you invest in your kids and, and you kind of wonder if they remember any of it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I'm sure my parents uh, thought the same, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, hopefully, you know, we're, they're seeing the, they were seeing the fruit of a lot of their investment in my life. And uh, um, I think a lot of things, too, is just things that become uh, built-in values. Mm-hmm. You know, kindness, not being mean to people, um, being grateful, appreciative. Um, uh, I was love. I love you know when you go someplace, leave it better than you found it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just simple, simple principles like that that they pass on, they model, and uh, you know, having a servant heart um, and valuing people, you know, those kind of things. It's just wow. Uh, as you as you get older, you realize not everybody has that, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I'm very appreciative of my parents, and um, and I'm really glad to say that you know that when they both had, had died, I felt like there there was nothing that had been left undone or left unsaid with them. Mm-hmm. So we finished well together uh, in our lives, and they were loved and valued by me, and vice versa, and. So anyway, just really grateful. So it's, it's a big plus when I look back at my Absolutely. parents. Absolutely, yeah. Having you parents know. that you said even you know modeled it, 
It's yeah. a tremendous, tremendous uh, just blessing to have have great parents. Yeah. It's something that you see. Um, it's interesting to talk about how, how influential parents are in, in a kid's life, not only by what they say, but what, by what they do. Yeah, so. and they just accepted me for who I am, uh, who I was growing up, and they valued who I was and didn't try to make me into something else. Yeah. And could celebrate the victories and and uh they just built me up a lot. Mhm. So, yeah. I mean, more more in more ways than I'll even ever really be able to remember. So, absolutely. So what great examples, but also another great example that you mentioned was your brother-in-law. Yeah. And when did he come into the picture in your life? He started <laughs> dating your your older sister. It was, it was a funny story. You've probably heard it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He was a he was a, a running back at uh, uh, West Point, an Army, and uh, so he came down. He started dating my sister, mm-hmm. and uh, he came down to our our neighborhood. And of course, I was so excited about meeting this football star. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, how old uh, were you at the time, roughly? I was. I guess I was probably eleven. Okay, so yeah, I mean, this is when, yeah, as a young kid, you get yeah, a, yeah, some yeah. big football star. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. it was, and and so he comes down to our neighbor, comes down to our house in Falls Church, Virginia, and uh, <laughs> I actually just tore up a bunch of just little slips of paper for him to sign, autograph. Oh yeah, so I could hand out to my buddies in the uh-huh. neighborhood. You know, like it's a big deal. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And but he 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 was pretty amazing. Even as a football star, he just loved me. I mean, he just took me under his wing and just started to encourage me in all kinds of different ways, even as a cadet at West Point. Mm-hmm. And then he basically did that for 50, 60 years. Um, and as he was uh, growing in his leadership, he had really kind of a global leadership position, uh, leadership development position. and. Um, he would just continue to invest in me, pass on his what he's been learning to me, um, spending time with me, modeling uh, leadership, um, uh, oftentimes opening up doors for me that I, I wouldn't have been able to open myself. Um, but he just became a big fan mm-hmm. of me and uh, uh, of what I was doing. So, you know, just such a great support. Yeah, he re- I, he really was uh, really the only hero I felt like I ever really had, or even felt like I needed. Mm. So, um, anyway, of course, we grew grew way past him being a football yeah. player, just to be just kind of being a real brother, close friend, close confidant, support. You know, so yeah, what a privilege. I mean. That's such a rare thing to have somebody like that in your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm really grateful, and so much of what I'm doing now, and we've shared so much information, so many ideas and, and principles over the years. Since, frankly, I'm not always sure which are his ideas and which are some of my own original ones. You yeah. Know? So because yeah. we're we're so ingrained with each other, and uh, and of course, as you know, he died in uh, on Thanksgiving Day. So, mm-hmm. um, but so grateful. To have have that in my life, and and you realize um, how important uh, those kind of relationships are, and they've sh- certainly shaped my life. And uh, I'm inspired to try to do the same 
for the others and mm -hmm. and we know that he he basically had a profound influence on hundreds and hundreds of leaders around the around the world uh, but it was a lot through even just a one-on-one -on -one relationship mm-hmm so yeah wow it's pretty amazing oh yeah absolutely what an incredible relationship and it's just it's cool to see how how everything works out in a, in a, a bigger plan for sure yeah so you went to Virginia and you went to Richmond in Virginia graduated from there and then you went up move up to Vermont what were you doing while you were working in Vermont? And then talk a little bit about how you were discipling uh, guys at the time, and that's kind of spurred yeah. you into where you are today. Yeah, it was really a big stretching experience. When I was asked to move to Vermont, I was like, I might as well have been asked to move to Africa because I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know a soul yeah. in Vermont. Never been to Vermont. Yeah. And uh, so we moved up to Burlington. I was still single. And Well, uh, well why, did you, why did you say yes? I said yes because I just felt like um, I guess all the all the moving around had kind of wired me for adventure or for mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of change, you know. And I've had to adapt a lot yeah. all the you know over the years and and uh, I, I believed in uh, what they were doing, what they were asking me to do up there. So I was just going up as a volunteer to help with a staff person at the University of uh, Vermont. Mm -hmm. Helped start a campus work, a campus ministry there, and uh, but I worked at GE uh, while I was there, where they made Gatling guns for the fighter jets. Yeah. So it was a huge manufacturing experience for me, you know, man, making these these uh, guns that you know fired a hundred rounds a second, and then the technology involved with it, um, and I got a chance to use my education, you know, the industrial management and. Um, yeah, it was it was a fascinating experience for me mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So I did that for five years, uh, GE, and uh, just so grateful for that experience. And um, it got me ready for when I came, when I moved down here to move into corporate life again. So yeah, absolutely. Well, touch on there's a story you told me about kind of your your first real hard experience in business. Um, was it uh, where you were working and trying to get a deal to go through uh, at the train station? Remember that oh, story? yeah. Touch on that real quick because yeah. that's a great story yeah. of yeah. being introduced <laughs> into business and things that many people go through on a daily daily basis. Well, I got to look back and I think one of my highest stress jobs I ever had was when I was about 27. Yeah. yeah. And I was an expediter for GE and we were... I was responsible for uh, getting all the purchase material in to support our uh, our uh, the shipment of systems, you know, gun systems in, and and GE had a had a had a on time and performance record of like ninety nine point six percent on time, which is really unheard of. That's pretty high. <laughs> so, but that what that means is that in this plan of two thousand, you know, the pressure to to not miss deliveries is is very intense all throughout the plant and 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 every employee knew that if you were responsible for a miss your name would go up to the plant manager you know in in, in bold letters <laughs> and, and for a 27 year old that was like that put the fear of god in me i guarantee you <laughs> and so so it was coming toward the end of the month and i was needing to have these uh uh these parts uh shipped up from Massachusetts and they were supposed to supposed to have been plated and um, 
I'd never gotten confirmation that they had they had done it. But um, so they were supposed to be on a train uh, and come out, come in in the morning, first thing in the morning, and and and, and if they didn't come in, I was going to miss miss delivery. So you know. The, the, the drama's there, you know. You're yeah. sitting there in your car. I've been getting, I've been getting a, an ulcer in this job. Oh, that's I mean, right. I'm yeah. a low key guy. I mean, ulcer is like unheard of. But um, yeah, the pressure, the pressure was, yeah. was a lot. Was a lot. And <laughs> well, sure enough, um, I'm, I'm there praying and I'm saying, Lord, okay, if you want me to fail, <laughs> I just, I just want you to do what you want to do. So I just kind of gave it over to the Lord. First time doing a kind of a major thing like that mm. uh, with the Lord, and uh, well, uh, as luck would have it or fortune, you know, the part showed up. Yeah. So, yeah. so we didn't miss. So we, and and what was really interesting is my my ulcers immediately went away, mm. and I spent another another whole year in that job and didn't miss at all, all all 12 months. So it was a really good lesson for me that Lord just kind of orchestrated that thing it seemed like to to kind of bring me to a crisis point to say, am I, are you going to trust me for this or not? Hmm. And so it was a good, it was a really great faith lesson. Yeah. What a great foreshadowing into what you're doing now and how you've helped a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, is is faith real? Is is trusting real, or is it just something that goes inside my head? Yeah, you know, and it, it became even more real for me, um, for that. So yeah, well, I, I definitely wanted to make sure you mentioned that because <laughs> um, it it is very very uh, important to to deal with pressure and how we deal with it is very um, very important. And a lot of people handle things differently. Yeah. But uh, the biggest thing is is uh, getting to the point where you can say, you know what, Lord, um, you know, I trust you with it. I trust yeah. you in my life. We'll get into that later um, with your one degree. But uh, it's a great foreshadowing into how God has worked in your mm. life to help other people. So you go from there. You move to Tulsa, which is obviously a whole other change as well. Um, and if I believe right, you don't. You had maybe one relationship in Tulsa connection, yes. or how, how did that come about? Well, the guy that I worked with in Richmond, Virginia, had moved out here uh, to be a pastor. And uh, we, I came out with a friend just to visit, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of curiosity. Just he had been a, he'd been a mentor to me, actually. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I came out, and I was still single, and I was kind of looking for a change. It's 28 years old, and uh, I just like the area. Mm-hmm. I like the newness of the city, and um, I'd never lived this part of the country. And, and uh, so he invited me to move out, and, and uh, it kind of fit in, into what I needed to do as a man, a young man. And um, so gave my boss a GE three months' notice and got ready and, and uh, moved on out. Headed to the plains. <laughs> yep, headed to the plains. Not the plains over here. We've got trees and hills over uh, here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, and that's a great, interesting experience as well. Just stepping out of uh, Vermont, working for GE, trying something new, taking a, a step of faith, and obviously yeah. it worked out because 
met your wife and you've been here for a long time too so well i wanted to say too one thing that you, i didn't think i fully answered your other question as i was praying about whether or not to go to vermont um, there was a verse in scripture that really stuck in, in my head that in john 15 16 it is not that you have chosen me but i have chosen you to go and make disciples well i i plugged in the word uh to vermont and make disciples and so mm. that was one of my early tastes of just get feeling like he got some got some direction from the lord and from the scriptures and then learning how to start to uh take god some of god's promises uh literally you know i will give you a fruit that will, re will remain and god gave mm. us fruit in the lives of people that remained. And there was a hard ministry to get started in Vermont. And, um, but so, so uh, I became more promise oriented during my 20s. I've started to say, well, Lord, what are you saying to me? What, what do you want to do? Uh, what are some verses you want me to latch on to for my life, but mm -hmm. also just for, you know, for decisions that come, come along and, and so, you know, I felt like God put on my heart several verses that have that I've kind of clung to all these years, and I and I have been I've I think I've been become pretty promise oriented. You know, what has God has God what has God promised us in general? But then, what, uh, have there been any specific things that He's kind of promised us? Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's why that Psalm one twenty uh, one thirty eight eight has been a big blessing to me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns you, Dave. Mm. Uh, your loving kindness is everlasting. Do not forsake the work of your hands. So that has given me confidence when, when things have gotten tough. You know, verses like uh, Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear for I am with you. Uh, verses like, uh, I will give men in exchange for your life, which has certainly happened. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will, I'm doing a new thing. Are you not aware of it? You know, th those things are just pivotal uh, in giving direction. So I really encourage guys to get into the scriptures and give the Lord a chance to guide them. You know, not, not in a crazy way. Sometimes people misuse <laughs> scripture sure. uh, to kind of do what they want to do, you know, but uh, just honestly with an honest heart, just saying, what, what are you trying to say to me, Lord, during this time mm -hmm. of transition or decision? So. Anyway, I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, no, that's so great. That's absolutely true. Very, very important. Um, and it's great that you can sit there and recite those as affirmations, you know, in your life. And you've seen them be true from since you were very young to, to where you are today. Yeah. So you're still very young. But very old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you came to Tulsa and you started working for American Airlines. Is that correct? Yes. Or, and what were you doing with American? Uh, well, I worked for McDonnell Douglas for about a year, and then I okay. moved over to American Airlines, and uh, really got, just got into the purchasing supply chain world, mm -hmm. like I had been in at GE, and um, had various jobs. One of the jobs I bought, I bought, I bought chemicals, I bought shop supplies, I even ended up going into buying um, high-tech things. So I bought you know digital network for Sabre, I did I bought phone systems for the whole whole company 
you know, a lot, a lot of interesting things. One of my favorite jobs was buying the, uh, the interiors for the airplanes. Really? So I bought the seats, galleys, yeah. labs, um, uh, those kind of things. Because it was something you can kind of put your, put your finger, your hand on, literally, when you got on an airplane. Well, I bought this thing. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't design the seats, and I didn't determine the spacing of the seats. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just fun. It was, it was, it was a fun job. To do and plus you get into some really high dollar stuff mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit you know a little bit more challenging and, and yeah. uh, uh, stretching but yeah it was just great preparation just the learning how to deal with people and in uh, and, and, and pressure situations and mm-hmm. uh, learning how to operate within it within a corporate environment mm-hmm. you know uh, different kinds of bosses and um, you know Learning would work with certain kinds, different kinds of vendors, suppliers. So it was really, I felt like I learned so much about life uh, in that in that field. And plus, I just got just got to understand the challenges of working in a big company. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of challenges in a small company as well, but they're they're just different in a big company. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. So you had that experience working American Airlines, and then. You transitioned out of that into what was next. Um, but I took early, early retirement uh, after 15 years or 17 years at American, and um, uh, start, started my own business. It was my next dumb idea, I guess you would call it. <laughs> <laughs> most guys I know have had those. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the and the business failed within within nine months. I think it failed. It ran out of money. I found out that I really I had a lot of good ideas, but I, I couldn't close on on a sale. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I've, I've stayed away from sales since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the experience I got from 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 a failure like that, I had never really failed mm. uh, on on a big venture like that. And uh, you know, we, I don't know how we survived financially that year because uh, I was married and we had two kids and. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord provided for us, but it really, it really kind of teed up a situation where I actually went, I went back and did some contract work for American for a year, which was a, a really a, a huge blessing. And, uh, and then I was hired to work at, uh, uh, commercial financial services after that one year of, uh, contract work. And that ended up being one of the best jobs I'd ever had. It was just it was one of those dream jobs for me because I got a chance to create an organization, build it the way I felt like it should be built, uh, manage the people the way I felt like they should be managed, mm-hmm. um, uh, develop them, you know, launch them into their own to other careers and stuff. And and but that was really a breakthrough season of my life uh, when I learned about myself and I also learned about this, you know, what I do now. Mm-hmm. During that time, so um, anyway, yeah. So throughout all these experiences with business, you were always involved in business, but you were uh, mentoring, discipling. You were meeting up with guys one on one, and talk a little bit about when you started to hone in on uh, essentially your one degree, those qualities and um, skills and gifts that you feel like God's given you, and you started to apply them in your work um what happened when you started to apply those things and how did that 
affect your work and then also outside of work and yeah. what you're doing today? Well, like, a, like, like so many of us, we've, we've done these, these personality or these gift assessments, you know, and, and I've done some of that. And, and I really figured out what some of my key words were, my key strengths. But like, like so many of us, I really wasn't taking them seriously. I wasn't applying them in the day-to-day. It was just mm. nice information. Yeah. But I was really challenged. There's a long story around that, but I'll just say that I was really challenged by the Lord to get serious about using those core abilities that He's been He's been elevating in my life. So an example is advise, guide, is one of my words. Uh, mentor, coach, relationship, build, and connect people to each other. So those are core abilities. They didn't seem like they were the primary abilities needed to, to head up an or, uh, a supply chain organization. So I had kind of a crisis of belief at one time and, and at one point and just said, well, I don't know how to use these abilities primarily to run this organization, build this organization. But, uh, and I kind of complained and excuse, gave excuses and whined a little bit. And finally, I just felt like he was saying, are you done? <laughs> you know, I want you to get serious about using these these words because I've elevated those words in your life. Mm. And um, and as I as I left that time, I just said, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I will commit to go toward these words you've shown me, and you'll just have to show me how to do it. And so that's that's kind of like a miracle type thing that he did. Uh, on a day-to-day basis in my job. It was, it was gradual, but gradually started showing. I was spending more time mentoring and coaching my, my people that I was hiring, uh, uh, building relationships with the other, depart- other divisions, departments, so that it would be easier for my people to go in and, and work with their people. Um, uh, advising, guiding, advising, guiding the other organizations on on even the, the whole procurement process and and really kind of try to getting to a point where my organization wasn't the enemy because oftentimes the purchasing supply chain organization is viewed as kind of another barrier yeah. to get your work done yeah. and so I had to kind of overcome that so uh, that's what I did with the building relationships mm-hmm. um, and uh, what was really interesting is that the CEO of the company later said that, hey, Dave, you've accomplished more productive change than anybody else in the whole company, mm. including me. Well, you know, it's, that was, I didn't necessarily believe that he was right, <laughs> but I was taken back by the fact that he thought that was the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and there were a lot of good things that happened. But that was a real turning point in my life of becoming more, pro- more proactive with who I actually was uh, and not just being a reactor to the demands of high-pressure situations in business or just in life. Mm. And um, it gave me the impetus to do what I'm doing now because I saw that it was very real. It wasn't just kind of a... Um, you know, um, what you call it, just wishful thinking type of thing. The Lord really wants us to align with who we are, who He's made us to be, 
and because I had to deal with my own crisis of belief and, and, and try to step into who I actually was, and I saw what it did. Yeah. It was like a special gift from the Lord that He actually showed me in a very tangible way um, how He wanted to use that. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm coaching men all over the, all over the place, uh, I actually have a story to tell. And the more I've done that over the last 20 years, really, uh, the more I've seen it to be true. That God is really serious about our our using who He's made us to be, you know, and not trying to be somebody else. Yeah. Like become a become a master steward of who He's made us to be. Yeah. And why is it so tough for people to do that, do you think? Well, they've been listening to a lot of tapes, you know, over the over the years. Of they they need to be something else. They need, they need to be this or that. They need to uh, maybe go earn a lot of money, or they need to go into certain careers because that's you know that's that's what's desirable, you know. Um, or they're told all kinds of things during their life that they aren't smart enough. They aren't. Uh, and t- interesting enough. They, I mean, all kinds of, a, they aren't enough. Mm-hmm. And so they're believing those things versus believing what God has to say about them. Mm. It's, um, I mean, one of the big breakthroughs is when you, when you start to embrace who God's made you to be. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Not, not just your looks, but your personality, your abilities, your story. Have you really embraced your story? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to get over your story? Yeah, you know, um, and we act as if God was surprised by our story. Yeah, you know, when He actually fully intends to use our story for His purposes if we'll let Him. And um, anyway, I can talk about this. Yeah, and well, that's yeah. a it's a great segue into what is your one degree, and what what are you doing now? Yeah, your one degree, it really kind of speaks to this idea of there's 160 to 260 degrees you can go in life. You know, we, we, it's, and there's a lot of options, a lot, a lot of directions you can go. Um, but the one degree is really about uh, intense focus of your life, kind of like a laser. But that's so it's focus, but then it's also direction. And... Um, <clears throat> Most people that I've coached over the years, especially the, some very high and highly intelligent people, have said, yeah, I really know I need to get focused. I just don't know how to do it. And so that was kind of a challenge for me. Is so, so how do we help people get focused in their life? And of course, a lot of people are afraid to get focused because they feel like they'll miss out. Mm-hmm. They'll be less important uh, if they if they start cutting out some things that are that maybe are marginal, but you know, make them feel useful. But I found the opposite to be the case. Because when you start to get focused in and you become more like a laser, well, what, what's the impact of a laser? It's much greater than an impact of a, of a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm challenged by the idea of bringing the full impact of my life to the outside world to those around me. And as I've gotten much more focused around who I am 
and becoming a real steward of who I am, I'm seeing that 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 impact really is like a laser. Because I'm not I'm not spending a lot of time on things that are marginal. And I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. Because I'm really I'm kind of living out who I am. It's it's like oftentimes think about a, a, like an eagle. You know, you see an eagle soaring, and it's just such a magnificent sight. And, and I imagine that eagle is really enjoying it. Yeah. You know, versus is he trying to be a squirrel, or is he just living out, living, living the life of an eagle? Yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of humans live the lives of squirrels. You know, when they could be uh, living the life of an eagle. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Or you know, it's obviously the analogy breaks down. <laughs> breaks down some but nothing uh -huh. against squirrels yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, anyway so just in trying to help people figure out so how do I what do I, how do I get focused we uh, we get we know that one of the questions people ask is what's my place what's my particular purpose mm -hmm. and where do I fit in here and I and I started to realize that there's a there's an earlier question that got to get answered if they want to know the where do I fit, what's my purpose, uh, to me it just makes so much sense to take a take a deeper look at. Well, if God is the master designer, then uh, He knew exactly what He was doing when He envisioned me in eternity past, but also when He created me. I'm I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, so He made me for a purpose. So if I really better understand who he's made me to be and what I've experienced in life, what are the, what's been happening in my life so far, uh, it's not an accident. If I, if I better understand it, then that's going to give me some, some criteria for making better decisions. We, we get in trouble with our decisions. Mm. You know, we commit to go in directions that are, that are marginal in, in, in uh, impact. In significance, you know, and so, um, so we we've developed this thing where we talk about okay, what are the abilities that you have that energize you? That's those are your drivers. It's an acrostic called design. So the D is your drivers, the abilities that energize your heart. Then you have abilities that are neutral. Then you have abilities that are that drain you. We call them. We got we got red abilities that drain you. You got yellow abilities that are neutral, and then you got green abilities that really energize you. Well, I figured out that if you don't, if you don't learn that about yourself, uh, you don't have the tools to manage what you're doing. Mm. You tend to get pulled into a lot of yellows in life. Yeah. And the yellows tend to kind of drain, to keep you away from doing the, all the, the greens you need to be doing. And of course, all of our jobs have reds in them, you know, uh, you know. And most roles we have, have have reds of some kind. But it's, so if you don't learn how to keep your heart energized, oftentimes, like like most, I think most people plateau out in life prematurely. Mm -hmm. They plateau out or they just drop out. But they don't finish strong. Yeah. And so I've become very passionate about helping people get on a track to finish strong. But that you've got to first understand who God has made you and learn how to make decisions based on who God has made you versus just what comes your way. And then that starts to 
starts to give clear, a little more clarity to what's your particular purpose. And as, you, and as you start to focusing more of your activity around your design or how, you, how you're wired, first of all, you keep your energy up. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you get, you, and for a guy, he heads into his late 30s, early 40s, which is a normal questioning time for most men. They, they start questioning, well, why do I believe what I believe? Why, do I, why did I marry who I married? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And oftentimes, um, he gets frustrated with he doesn't feel like he has good answers. Well, when you when you know who you are and you start to hone in on your purpose, you, you can you can kind of breeze right through these normal midlife issues because you, you're on track. Mm-hmm. You're on a good track. We've seen just hundreds and hundreds of men breeze right through midlife because they have answers for themselves. And what's really neat is they get into their forties. Because they know who they are, they can start to focus their life more. They get better at saying no to the right things. Uh, I, I kind of feel like saying no is a holy, holy thing, holy event. Yeah. But you have to learn how to say no to the right things. And one of the things that causes guys to burn out and women to burn out is they've they've said too many yeses to the wrong things, and they, and they may be good things, but they don't fit their design. Mm-hmm. So they start to run out of gas prematurely in their life. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so actually, basically, the one degree is, uh, or your particular purpose is basically finding those fewer things that can use uh, the rest of your design. You know, the skills and knowledge, the interests, passions, the, the spiritual gifts, your personality, along with your story and with with your drivers mm-hmm. so there just aren't that many different kinds of things you can do using your design yeah and that's what kind of forces or leads you to more of a focus around using those things and i think what keeps you going toward it is you just start to see the results yeah and, and it's pretty easy to say, I want to keep going in this direction. Yeah, when you see the results, you gain because, confidence yeah, in taking so, those steps. So why would I do this good thing over here when it's not, it's not what I'm designed for? Mm-hmm. And I think in leadership, you know, people follow more confidently a guy or a gal that understand, really understands who they are and who they aren't. And we've all had to follow leaders who don't. It's pretty frustrating, Yeah, you know. And uh, so, in terms of the leadership aspect, it's it's a it's ends up becoming a very powerful, powerful uh, assessment tool for yourself. And um, so, yeah. Well, one of the things that I've heard you mention before, talk about people plateauing later on in life, or not just it could be even early on in life as well. But um, you've mentioned that when you're talking to a group of of let's just say guys, you say name five men that you believe in your life are finishing well, um, and many people can't hardly even think of two. And so, what I think your one degree does is such does such a great job of helping you, like you talked about, gain clarity in who God has designed you to be, and to stay focused in on those things. If at the end of the day, when you've gone through this process, you have the courage 
to move into those things. That's another big step, I'm sure, as well. It's mm -hmm. just having the courage to just accept that and be okay. Like, you know what? This is the way God made me. I'm going to take some steps. And then as you start to take those steps of courage, you sit there and you see how God affirms those things. And when he keeps affirming mm -hmm. them, it gives you more confidence. And then all of a sudden, if you're in a leadership position, uh, people notice those things. They want to follow people that are um, confident in who they are, not in who they're trying to be. They're just themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think when you look at coaches, you look at business leaders, those are the people that normally you admire and respect the most. And so that's one thing that I think your one agree does an excellent job uh, is getting you um, understanding yourself, but also too, uh, when you start thinking about this, you become someone when asked that question, someone can say that's that's one of my, my guys or one of my girls that um, I, I look up to in regards of finishing their life well, um, because it is it seems to be such mm -hmm. such a thing that people don't think about or, or we just get so caught up in where we're at, what we're doing, that many people probably plateau because of those reasons and they're not yeah. really who they want to be. That's so right. that's something that I've taken from you that's been fantastic. Um, and another reason, uh, real quick too, when we talk about greens, yellows, and reds, talk a little bit about how when, let's just say someone, let's just say a young person's getting into a job, if they've gone through this process, uh, many people try to uh, advertise on their resume some things that maybe aren't true. Talk about that when you're having your resume. <sighs> yeah. Well, the temptation of the resume is to is to inflate it. Yeah. You know, uh, and to and to elevate the things that didn't happen much, but it might have happened a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but what ha ends up happening? If you do that, you're you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, you know, I, I've looked at a lot of resumes over the years, and very few of the resumes tell me what what they're really wired to do, what they most enjoy doing, because if you hire somebody that that really fits what you're trying to get done, you don't have to motivate them, and you don't have to give them a whole lot of direction. Mm -hmm. They're gonna they're gonna stay motivated and. Yeah. Uh, they're probably not going to be as, that much of a problem as, a, as an employee. Uh, they, may, they might work harder because you value who they are and you can kind of, uh, kind, of kind of keep feeding them things that use who they are. And so they see greater success and, and they want to be around that. Yeah. You know, Sometimes that's much more important than, than even the salary you pay. To be in a job that you're you're appreciated, you're valued, you're, and people understand what you're good at, and they let you do it. Um, so yeah, yeah, but, makes yeah, the, makes but, a difference. But the resume, I think a resume is a real challenge to write because you got to really think about, you know, I mean, what do I want? You know, what, yeah. what, what, what do I want? But I think more importantly, um, what are the things that have prepared me? to do what I really would like to do, you know, and, and, the, things that I, and the things that I've liked doing that have prepared me to do what I think I would really love doing, Yeah. you know. Um, yeah, the resume is an opportunity to uh, focus on what's true <laughs> about you, and uh, so, 
you just don't want false starts in your in your career as much as as much as possible. You want to avoid them. Mm-hmm. You want to be moving, keep moving toward who you are. And I, I I firmly believe that if you if you live out your design, God's going to provide for you. Okay, mm-hmm. I've just seen that in spades in my own life. You know, even when you're carving out something that's kind of you know, kind of a, kind of a one of. <laughs> yeah, how God has provided for us in ways I just never would have dreamed, you know, and um, so that gives me the confidence to encourage guys to keep moving toward their design. Yeah, yeah, but the, it takes courage, and I think that's why why that's why this is, we do a lot of coaching, because you know I always love what the football coaches say. You know, we 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 have people do what they hate so that they'll be able to do what they love. So sometimes we're doing, we're having people do some reflection, which they may feel uncomfortable doing, and then we urge them to develop in those areas of what they're discovering versus just what they've always been doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, it's interesting how we just don't like change. Uh, we don't like the unknown. We may be miserable where we are, but at least mm-hmm. we know where we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of thing, uh-huh. you know. Fear is the biggest enemy of living at your purpose. Mm, yeah, that's so good. You know, and so our, one of our jobs is to help people um, tackle this little by little, not just make some big jump uh, into something that's totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. So going back to the resume, what you said is don't try to sell your yellows. Try to put make sure your greens are on on your resume yeah. for sure. So. Well, I think your job your job in a in an interview is to state what's true. Mm-hmm. State it clearly, and uh, I, I've told guys for years, you know, state don't sell. Let God do the selling, but just be do a good job of stating who you are and 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 what you, and you can state. Hey, I love to. If, if if who I am is going to make a good contribution to what you're looking for, then that's I like. I don't want to be hired, you know, in the false circumstances. I mean, you know, I, I want to be able to bring my best to this organization. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm here to tell you what I know about myself, and I guess your job is to figure out is that what you need? Yeah, yeah. Because I man, if you oversell, you know, in, in an interview. And stuff that's kind of made up, it'll become evident pretty quickly. Really quick. Yeah. And it's bad for both the employer and yourself. Yeah. So it's more of a win win when you know yourself and kind of identify those things. And you can go to a resume uh, interview saying, This is who I am. Does it fit with, yeah. with uh, the job? Well, so many guys have thanked me, thanked me, thanked me for just telling them, State, don't sell. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to make sure, make sure you talked about that. Cause it's, <laughs> Such a simple action, but it, it can make such a big difference. So, and real quickly, I want to try to transition to something else. You talked about, um, there's a concept about moving towards the line. Can you explain a little bit about that and what does that mean? Yeah, if you can envision like a fourth quadrant of, an, of, a, of a diagram, the upper, upper, upper right-hand corner of a, of a quadrant, um, and the center of the, of the quadrant is the beginning of your life, so it's a birth. And if you go up the vertical axis, it's uh, kingdom impact. 
In other words, in impact for the for the Lord. You know. Then mm -hmm. the the horizontal as, uh, axis is your time or age. So then there's a slope that, that begins at the at the intersection of those two uh, axes and, and goes on up uh, to, to the upper corner of the fourth quadrant. And so what that represents is, uh, and, we, and we, draw a, we draw a target at, uh, at toward the end of that slope that actually intersects with what, what we think would be maybe a theoretical end of your life. Mm -hmm. So what that's trying to communicate is maximum kingdom impact at the end of your life. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we've learned that most people don't have maximum kingdom impact at the end of their life. Most of them because they plateau out or they burn out or they, they bottom out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're... they're they're way, they're not anywhere close to this slope. So that slope represents three, three, three things as best as I can determine. One is what, what God intended for that person at that age. So the reason why this, it slopes up is when you're young, there's not going to be a lot of impact. You're just growing up, you know, and as you move to your 20s, you start to get more impact and 30s, 40s, and so forth. So, but God's intention for you, that's the first thing that's, that slope stands for. The second thing is alignment with, with Scripture. So are you aligned, living in alignment with what, the, with God, what God's Word says? That, that's kind of how to live. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, don't, you don't beat your wife. You don't, you know, uh, you don't, you don't cheat in business. You don't yeah. do a bunch of different things. But you do a lot of things. There's a lot of uh, uh, one another type principles, you know, love one another, be kind to one another. So that's alignment with Scripture. Well, then there's also alignment with your design. So alignment with Scripture is your general purpose, how to live. Alignment with your design is your uniqueness. It has to do with your, your particular purpose. So if you're, if, you're, if you're on that slope, that means that you're in complete alignment with Scripture, which we never are, <laughs> and complete alignment with our design. You just can't get any better than that. Okay? Mm -hmm. You aren't going to go above the slope. So the, the fact of the matter is all of us are between the horizontal axis and that slope at whatever age we are. So if I'm at 40, uh, there's, there, there's, I'm at a, the slope is telling me that there is an, God really intends for me to have quite an impact at 40. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, but that impact is, is correlates directly to my alignment with Scripture and my alignment with my design. Mm -hmm. And if I'm doing anything other than that, then I'm not having kingdom, kingdom impact. Yeah. I may be having some kind of impact, but it's not for the kingdom. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, Anyway, so then, then from that point, if you, so if you if you put a point on that diagram of where you think you are, it's, you're going to be somewhere below that slope. And usually, what what we talk about is the gap between where you are and that slope. Oftentimes, we call a frustration gap. 
because it's it's or a holy unrest because mm-hmm. you sense that there's something more. There's something there's something more about my particular purpose. There's something more about my alignment with Scripture. I know I'm not doing all I could as a husband or as a father or as a, or as a, a worker or as a friend, as a son, whatever. And so there's always more that can be done I, I, or I can be growing more as a person. So um, what, I've, what I've learned is uh, I think the Lord brings a lot of that holy unrest onto us. And it's not because he's trying to beat us up or make us sad or frustrated. He's just he's just trying to get our attention to say, "I'm wooing you to that line. I'm just draw. I'm asking you to come, come to the line. Yeah, I know you're never going to get there, but just keep moving toward the line." And what I have found is when you when you actually start to get intentional about moving toward that line of greater alignment with Scripture and, and your design a lot of that frustration goes away because God's got your attention mm-hmm. and he's got you moving toward the line. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's what we urge people to do. And that's why being in a community, be, being around other people who are on this journey, who, who, are, who have set a higher bar in life, they want, they want to be on that line, that slope, or as close to that slope as they can possibly be yeah. for the rest of their life, you know, and uh, I want to be around those, those people. And I have a bunch of friends that I, I walk with throughout the year that, that have they got, their, they got their eyes set on that target at the end. And they're doing what it takes to stay, stay, on that, stay close to that slope. Mm-hmm. And we encourage each other to do the same. And, we, we, and we'll, 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 we'll get after each other when we, when we kind of feel like, hey, you're kind of, kind of slacking off. Yeah, you know, you're getting off track a little bit. Yeah, so we need the encouragement. We all do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. talk talk about your friend real quick, who had gone through uh, your one degree and he had kind of that frustration gap, and um, he wound up getting out of ministry and getting into landscaping. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a powerful story. So yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of a shocker, but <laughs> but huh. but it. Uh, yeah, he was getting pretty miserable in his job uh, on the church staff, and because they'd been changing kind of his responsibilities and so forth, and he was really being pulled more and more out of his design. So he and I met, and we just kind of got him reacquainted with this whole notion of his design and what he really loves and, and how he best functions and stuff. And so I, I kind of threw out there one day, I said, you know, I understand that, you know, you, you had a landscaping business, so you really like landscaping. And he said, yeah, I do. And so I said, you know, this it probably what the church is trying to do here probably isn't going to change, you know. So uh, what would you think about, you know, starting a landscaping business, a full-time landscaping business? And, and he immediately came up with about five obstacles to it, you know, which were legitimate obstacles. And, um, you know, in my own way, I, my own merciful way, I said, you know, John, I don't, I'm not really that interested in your obstacles. What I care about are you committed to go the line, the slope. Mm. Uh, and so a couple of weeks passed and eventually he came to me and said, um, I'm committed to go that line. 
And you know, within two weeks, all the obstacles were removed. Really? Yeah. He started his business. He spent a year. He had, we had actually worked out a transition plan off of staff at that church. That was a, like a six-month deal. Well, he had so much business. He had like a year's backlog of business. Wow. And uh, he was just having the time of his life, you know, and with his staff. His staff loved him, and his customers loved him. And, um, well, you know, so there he was. He was just... He was on a whole different track that he wouldn't have been if he hadn't figured out who he was and aligned with it and made some a commitment to go toward it. Mm -hmm. And um, you want me to tell the rest of the story? Yeah, tell the rest of the story real quick. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so <clears throat> he's 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 flying along in this business, and a year year later he goes in for a heart valve adjustment or replacement, and he dies, and like it shocked all of us and. And um, and his wife, uh, we a bunch of us, you know, raced up to the hospital, and uh, like the first an hour after we'd heard, and um, and his wife kind of edges over to me and says, "Dave, uh, John really loved you, and you really helped him. And this past year, he's finally been free to be who he was." And um, at his funeral. The funeral was packed. I don't know how many people. I don't know if that church has ever seen that many people at a funeral. But uh, the, John was a journaler. He he got, wrote a couple of journals every year, and um, the pastor, unbeknownst, just picked out one line in that whole one of his last journals, and he read it out loud, and, and he said, "I am moving." This is what John's writing. I am moving toward the line. Mm. And both of his sons also said to me, you know, thank you so much for helping my dad um, really find purpose. Mm. But, yeah, so, I mean, come to find out that all of his male relatives died at 59 years old, just like he did. Right? Like, wow, that's kind of weird. But, um, yeah. but I was such an, so grateful that John could finish well. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So that's our heart that... that Whoever's listening to this podcast would would set their sights on on and kind of be, begin with the end in mind. You want to finish well. Well, what's it going to take to finish well? You got to know who you are. Mm -hmm. You got to you got to align with who you are, and stay in alignment with who you are and align with Scripture until you die. Yeah, and do you have the commitment and courage to do that? Yeah, and you need people around you to help you. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. I know we need to honor your time, Dave, so thanks for being here. But real quickly, a few more questions. You know, what what does excellence mean to you and how would you define excellence? Well, um, I have the personality that um, I'm kind of a low-key. <laughs> it's probably a miracle I get anything accomplished, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think excellence is, for me, is doing what God wants. The way he wants it done. Yeah. You know, uh, let's face it, I, I'm not so sure we can always be excellent, you know, but we, we certainly want to uh, do our best, you know, or at least work hard at it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and quite and frankly, do we always really know we're doing our best? That's a little bit of a subjective thing, but yeah. have we worked hard at it, try to be faithful with it? Mm hmm. Uh, you know, finished up, finished up our role in it. Um, so, 
for me, excellence is I want to become a master steward of my design. I, I want to be, I want to understand what, how God's made me and I want to live it out as well as He will let me. You know, and I think that will produce excellence. Mm -hmm. Okay, that will define excellence for, in my life. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's Absolutely. kind of how I see it. No, so. that's a great response. Absolutely. Well, Dave, thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for being a person that, you know, exemplifies excellence in what they do because you are trying to do those things as well on a daily basis. And that's apparent to so many people, so many men and women have been impacted by you. And uh, just as what you talked about from your brother-in-law, just taking an interest um, you do that to so many people and you just care, you uh, impart knowledge and wisdom and help them become better fathers, husbands, uh, mothers, um, leaders, so many things like that. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm one of the beneficiaries of that, but so many people have been impacted by you and just thank you so much for doing that. So, um, You're welcome. You know, if anyone wants to learn more about your one degree or get in contact with you, what's the best way? Is there a website they can go to or what is that? Yeah, you can go to your, youronedegree.com. It's all spelled out, youronedegree.com. Yeah. And if they email, you, you'll be yeah. able to get in touch. Yeah, so. we'll get in touch with them. And... Yeah. Okay, well, thanks awesome. for doing this. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah, well, thanks for being here, Dave. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Uh, once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.